Hold it right there. Before we start the podcast today, I just want to say something. I know you're wondering what I want to say. I'm going to get to it in just a second. I'm just, I'm leading into it, okay? Big lead up, okay? Are you ready? Yes, you're nodding your head yes. Like, hurry up, get into it. Hurry up. Well, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. I really, really appreciate you being part of another podcast with me. It means so much. I'm having such a blast recording, making podcasts, doing weird transitions in between, making ads, and just so much other fun stuff. And I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to these episodes, go through the news with me throughout the winter. It's a slow season. Go through yearly reviews with me. And I appreciate every single one of you guys for listening. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. What is going on, ball boys and ball girls? Monday, December 21st today. Your ball boy, Jewel, here with you. As always, it's great to be with you. It's great to be seen. It's great to be heard. And I thank you for being here today with me. So, I hope you guys are doing super well. I am super thankful and grateful that you are here with me today. I really do appreciate it. Got kind of a different episode for you guys today. Um, We're going to talk some In My Opinion some bold predictions and two yearly reviews up on the up on the docket for today. I think that's the right word. Um, so yeah, what are we waiting for? Literally nothing because I'm a one man show. Um, let's see. Let's start with some in my opinion. So today I wanted to talk about the expanded playoffs and if they should stay or should we go? Because already so far this winter we have seen that the owners were trying to trade another year of the expanded playoffs to the uh, Players Association for another season of the University DH. So it's in the talks. The owners want it. Um, Commissioner Roger Goodell, or not Goodell, um, Rob Manfred. Wow, I just mixed up the NFL. It's I do a lot of recording on Sundays, so I've been watching football all day, so you can understand the mix-up. And it's football season. I, I get easily confused. Anyways, that was almost embarrassing. So Robert Rob Manfred, he did say he does want to keep the format going forward into the future. Uh, so what was the format? So we saw 16 teams make the MLB playoffs. There was no clear one. There was a clear one through eight. Eight played one, two played seven, six and three, and then five and four played each other in a three-game wild card round, which was a best of three. And then after the wild card round, it was three games in three days. Then it went to the divisional round, which was five games in five days for the winners, the four, the next four teams. And then it went to the league championship round, which is the last two teams. And then obviously the World Series um, was a typical format, but the championship series, the championship round for the AL and NL was seven games in seven days. Um I would say I, I like that. It, it added a different competitive element um, to the to strategizing for like pitching and whatnot and for rest and for, you know, it was really a battle of stamina um, throughout those three rounds for the teams that made it to the World Series. Um, as we know, the Dodgers and Rays did both because they had excellent pitching and really good offenses. And we saw the teams that didn't have those good offenses get knocked out early Divisional was really exciting as it was all divisional matchups. So I thought that was really cool. 
And so, yeah, that was the format. And then, you know, I, I didn't like how there was no, like, top seeds. Like, you had, like, the best team playing the worst team. Like, yes, that, that makes sense. That's very similar to NBA, but there was no clear-cut one in any buy round, buy uh, a week of buy. Like, in past, like, the top seeds go straight to the divisional while the teams play for wild card to play into the divisional and whatnot. Um, so I, I didn't love that. That wasn't my, my favorite aspect of it, but I do get why they did it. Uh, it made a competitive balance. Obviously, those top-tier teams beat those lower-tier teams um, that barely squeaked in like we saw in the NL. So yeah, and especially this year where every you're playing 60 games, I didn't love that just because of how tight the seating was and how even a lot of the teams were. Obviously, you had the top-tier teams of the Dodgers and the Rays in both the divisions, uh, and then you go down – you have like the A's and whatnot in the in the American League and so on and so forth. Like there was a very clear one-two, and then everybody else was very very even. So the competition was really nice. And I also didn't love the the lack of rest or how it was like scheduled. A lot of, I know a lot of players spoke out about it on their social medias, about how they were playing day game day 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 game and not a lot of rest in between, instead of having a day game, a night game, and then an afternoon game kind of set up throughout the different rounds. Um, and some some guys saw that as like a competitive edge to their opponents. So those teams that did win, you know, they ended up lo- – I don't really think that mattered too much. It does matter for rest purposes because, yes, you're playing three games in three days. Um, but usually you're playing three or four games in that same span in the regular season as well. So I, it makes sense, yet it doesn't at the same time. Um, what I really liked, I really liked the competition though. I really liked how we saw, how we just saw those, like the competition was just there. We saw guys like Randy Rosarena make his name known because these guys who got a late call up ended up being in the playoffs. Um, so I, I did like the competitive element. It was really interesting to see so many teams and so many different aspects and how much that made those teams fight in the regular season for it. Because usually by the end of the season, you know, you're fighting to tank and see who can get the most losses. But in this format, it opened it up so much that so many teams were still playing even on that last day, especially in the NL. Like it literally came to the last day for like three, the six, seven, eight seats to be decided. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, and it, it kept more teams engaged. Much like the NBA, those eight seeds, seven, eight seeds are highly coveted. Same for the MLB. You know, being able to get that seventh and eighth seed was highly coveted still and, like, show that we're a competitive team, no matter the team. Like, take the Blue Jays. Yes, they got knocked out in the first round. But, dang, were they, weren't they exciting? Being able to see them make it in, squeeze in, you know, with the with the Yankees and the Rays in that division. And then you have a team like the Marlins who came in and then won that wild card round and lost in that divisional round to the Braves. But, man, where it, was, it wasn't that exciting to be able to see these teams who you would never think to see in the playoffs be in the playoffs. I thought that was awesome. And really, what do I think it should stay or should it go? Um, you know, there's a lot of benefits. I, I really think one more year of it could really help 
help all these teams financially because of the loss. If you expand the playoffs, you get more teams, more games, more TV revenue. Um, you get, hopefully, by the playoffs next year, the MLB playoffs, you, we have fans. Um, hopefully, I'm at a playoff game here in Seattle. Fingers crossed. Mariners fan. Um, you know, I think it would be really smart financially, especially for the players, too. I mean, the average salary so far is about $3 million, coming off of average prorated salary of $4.1 million in 2020. It could really bid the players well, especially in collective bargaining, if they did this to help there be more money on the table to help with free agent deals next winter and throughout the season and in that playoffs and whatnot, it, it should really, really help. Um, so that's, that's hard for me to say. I, I really think it, it should stay. If not, I, I think it will be really sad. Um, but I, it, and it brings such a different element. We see a different playing field. We see, you know, if, these eight seeds can upset a one seed and seven can upset a two and then how far those teams can go. Like if the Mariners make an eight seed, they could still realistically make a world series. You know, it's possible. It opens up so many more possibilities, so many more storylines, so much more excitement. You know, there's 16 teams, 16 fan bases engaged in watching and it's, it just makes it a lot more fun, I think. So I would, I would like for it to stay. I'm just one guy. But, you know, I, I'm not sure. It, it's going to be really interesting. We should have a lot of collective bargaining, talks start and carry throughout the season. A lot of things are up and down. So keep an eye on that. Um, yeah. With that in mind, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk some bold predictions. Hey, Joel. Yo, what's up, Joel? Hey, what are you drinking over there? Oh, nothing. It's nothing. You probably you probably would love it if you had it. What is it? I want some. Oh, it's Ray's Energy. It's amazing. 300 milligrams caffeine, no sugar, no carbs, no crap. Just amazing, clean, fresh energy for you to drink. What? Dude, no way. Let me try that. And what do you think? Dude, where have this been in my life? Where can I get some? How do I get some? Awesome question. Let me tell you. You can get some of that delicious drink over at theballboyblog.com backslash my-deals. You go on down. You go to the link that says Rep Sports Raise Energy. Click it. Go to their page. Order as many cases as your heart desires. And then, boom. Go check out. Put in the code BALLBOY to say 15%. 15%? No way. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It is. So yeah, what are you waiting for? Go order some. I just did. On my phone. Right now. I ordered the Baja Lime, the Mango Guava, the Watermelon, the Galaxy Burst, the Phantom Freeze, Apollo, and I'm so excited to try all of them. Dude, that's only scratching the surface. You still got Sour Gummy Worm, Grape Gummy Worm. You still have Strawberry Colada, and I believe that's about it, actually. You got all of them. Good job. So, yeah. 
order 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 use my code it'll save you a headache literally <laughs> see what i did there but regardless thank you for listening thank you for supporting and please go be like my friend and go get yourself some raised energy what are you waiting for Right, and we're back. So let's talk post-winter meetings. The winter meetings were a snooze. Nothing exciting happened, and that was almost too expected. For many reasons, we've seen, we got got the final number, the tally of how much revenue dropped, and it was an insane $2.5 billion in payroll was cut, as opposed to going into 2020 in the winter and coming out of 2020 in the following winter. So, man, were some changes due. We've seen the average salary be about $3 million for new free agents with the average prorated salary of 4.1. So it's, it's really, really interesting right now to kind of see where, where everything's at. So I, I'm going to make some bold predictions. We're gonna, I'm going to do, let's see, I'm going to do three free agents. And I'll do three trades for the sake of time. And then we'll revisit this and we'll do the rest um, next episodes. So let's first talk about Trevor Bauer. Man, he, Trevor Bauer has more swag than half the MLB combined. He is so arrogant, but he backs it up with his play on the field. Um, there's, there's like crazy conspiracy theories that he said that his statistics were going to drop. He said it was going to be the time frame, and then they did. And there's, but there's no link to any substance abuse or performance enhancing substances or him using anything. Um, so, and he's been consistently one of the best pitchers since 2012. He won his first Cy Young Award after posting just a dominant year, just incredible year, increased spin rates on all his pitches, and he was just a wizard when he took them out. Um, he holds a career 17.5 WAR, so wins above replacement. 3.90 ERA, 385 FIP, with 1,279 strikeouts, over 1,190 innings pitched. Um, he, he's just barely going into his 30s. He has a great number of years, whether that's five or to 10 years of just dominance over hitters coming in this league. And I think the one team that's going to reap those benefits is going to be the Los Angeles Angels. They need an ace. They need a pitcher to put around Trout and Rendon. They're willing to spend money. They should be getting a major stadium upgrade within the next few years. And the City of Angels will need Trevor Bauer, and they need him. So it's so likely. I It's a match made in heaven there for me. And I think he's going to the Angels. Next, JT Romuto. Another guy who's been dominant at his position next to, you know, Yadier Molina, Salvador Perez, just dominant as a catcher behind the plate. His career, 19.8 war, 278, 328, 455 slash, over 2,699 at are all above average numbers year after year. He's earned two silver sluggers, a gold glove, two all-stars appearances, him Defensively, he's also one of the best, holding a 9.993 fielding percentage. He's caught 36% of would-be base stealers. 
this team, they, they have a new GM, Dave Dombrowski. He needs to keep this man in Philadelphia with the Phillies next to Bryce Harper if they want to stay competitive in the NL East. They highly, highly, highly need to keep JT, JTR in Philadelphia, and I think Dombrowski is going to do whatever he needs to to keep his man in and keep this team competitive. He did say he wants to retool, not rebuild, so that makes a huge difference in their kind of free agent plan. So it's only a matter of time before he re-ups and signs with the Phillies. And then third free agent we're going to look at is George Springer. George Springer, the only thing kind of against him right now is he's 31. So he's already passed that 30 mark. Uh, But we've seen plenty of baseball players play well into their late 30s, if not early 40s, if your name is Nelson Cruz. Um, But... Regardless, I think Springer, he's he's great. He's been nothing short of fantastic in his career. He has three all-star appearances, two silver sluggers, World Series ring, asterisk, World Series MVP, asterisk. That, the asterisk is my personal opinion. You have yours. I have mine on what I think of the Astros in 2017. However, Springer, you know, his career 27.5 war, with a career slash of 270, 361, 491, over 3,087 at-bats. That OBP is ridiculous. 36% of the time he gets on base. The seven-year vet, you know, he needs to stay competitive. He needs to go to a competitive team, a young team surrounded with talent where he's the face of the franchise. He's the man. He's the vet. He's the leader where he can really rebuild his name. There's no other place as good for that as reuniting with his former manager, Alex Cora, in Boston and helping that team go towards their next championship. The Red Sox are loaded with young talent. They just need a vet of Springer's caliber with Cora atop that lineup to stabilize it, to help it, everyone develop. I think Springer's that man for the Red Sox. So don't be surprised when he ends up beating the Yankees with the Red Sox, and reestablishing his legacy. So that's going to end us with the free agents. Let's go over to the trades. So in the trades, I'm going to break down the player and what the trades would look like, essentially, in my opinion. Um, so we're going to start with th- uh, Chris Bryant, third baseman, Cubs. He's one half of the Brizzo combo in Chicago. He finds himself looking towards the future with a new club, the Cubs, are set to cut payroll this winter. They already have a non-tendering Kyle Schwarber. Um, they can't keep everyone, you know, come 2021. Rizzo exercised his option, so that makes things a little bit more difficult. They did tender Bryant a contract, which should end up about $20 million. Uh, Bryant's a former MVP, Rookie of the Year, three-time All-Star and World Series champ, uh, and he's only 28. Like He still has five to easily five to ten years ahead of them up still high level play um posting a career 24.3 war 280 380 508 slash over 2774 at bats yes he's coming off one of the down years of his career to this point but regardless the value is still there for bryant and regardless of what their gm says 
I think the Nationals and the Cubs are working behind the scenes. There are some water on the fire to create some smoke to get Bryant in with the Nationals. I mean, the Nationals have their windows closing, and it's closing quick. Scherzer is getting older. Strasburg's coming back off his uh, surgery. Corbin's still there. This team needs a bat to replace Rendon at third base and to go next to Trey Turner on that side of the infield. However, I do think a move would be logical for Bryant to second base in the future, but not right now. Um, so what, what would a trade look like? To me, a trade for Bryant looks like the Nationals giving up right-handed pitcher Will Crow, left-handed pitcher Seth Romero, and infielder, well, either or here, either or, infielder Yasel Atunia or catcher Israel Pineda. And the Cubs will have to eat whatever part of the 2020 contract the Nationals tell them to for them to take this deal. Um, and then they will also need to give up uh, right-handed pitcher Adbert Lazale, third baseman Christopher Moore, and more than likely I can see the Nationals throwing in Starlin Castro as well to the deal to help balance it at the MLB level. So that's that's what I'm thinking. That's one of my bold predictions. I could, it makes a lot of sense. The fit makes sense. Next, third baseman, Nolan Arenado. He is arguably one of the best we have ever seen play the position. And I there's not much argument. With five all-star appearances to go along with eight gold gloves, four platinum gloves, four silver sluggers, granted or noted, all eight of those gold gloves are consecutive. He holds a career 39.1 war with a slash line of 293, 349, and 541 slash. If Arenado retired right now at the age of 29, he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. The third baseman market is tricky, uh, but he holds the leverage with his future, which makes the deal all that harder because he can't opt out after the 2021 season or opt in for the remainder of his deal. So if he's struggles, which I doubt in any way, shape, or form in 2021, then he can just say, oh, I'm staying here, or he can opt out and still try to sign a one-year deal and keep reestablishing the value. I mean, it's it's hard, and he's he's 29. Like, it's, it's crazy um, how much leverage he has here. So whoever gets him is going to have to be a contender. He wants to play for a winner. He wants to win. He wants to win a championship. And he wants to be somewhere that he can fulfill the rest of that contract and win a lot. So what better place than that than with the Dodgers? It's it makes it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and regardless of the Rockies GM saying we don't want to trade him in a division, it might be their last hope to keep Arenado happy with the hope that he opts out and resigns. Highly doubtful. Um, the Dodgers will have to give up some top prospects um, like right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray, catcher Kiebert Ruiz, and third baseman Cody Hosey. They'll also probably need to throw in center fielder DJ Peters or um, either Julio Urias or Dustin May and take on the full contract. You know, once the deal is done, I would expect the Dodgers to also get starting pitcher Kyle Freeland from the Rockies as well. 
with either Ian Desmond or Charlie Blackman as well coming to the Dodgers. So that's what I think of Nolan Arenado. Next guy is the inevitable. The inevitable is bound to happen with Francisco Lindor. They said it themselves. Most people around the MLB, executives, so many people think that it's inevitable, not if, but when Francisco Lindor gets traded. Lindor has been one of the best shortstops we have in the game for many years. Uh, he's only 27, four all-star appearances, two gold gloves, two silver sluggers, one platinum glove, all of that in six seasons. He also has three top 10 MVP finishes in those six seasons. He's a wizard with the glove as he owns a .981 fielding percentage while he's committed 57 errors over those six years. I mean, he plays one of the toughest defensive positions in his time. He also has accumulated 46 defensive runs saved in his career. You know, he's he's at that perfect age for that big seven to ten-year contract to lock him up for the rest of his life. And the Indians want to get the most out of him what they can. And there's there's a, there's several teams that make sense, but no team makes more sense for me than the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, I said the Milwaukee Brewers. They need another star next to Christian Yelich. Yelich, you could tell, felt the pressure in 2020 to be the man for the Brewers because they had no one else, and he put together one of the worst years of his career. So they need someone to go along with Yelich. We always talk about protection in the lineup when you have a star, but really that really translates to another threat. They need another threat in that lineup. So the trade's going to look like this. They're going to have to get up, give up one of their young infielders, Orlando Arcia, Keiston, Correa, or Luis Urias. One of those three will be sent to the Indians. Um, you'll have to also add in probably catcher Mario Feliciano and right-handed pitcher Zach Brown. The deal's done. The Indians will also need to eat a portion of the 2020 salary, plus most likely give up right-handed pitcher Daniel Espino, right fielder Jordan Luplo, and we will have a deal. So that's my bull predictions. If you go to the forms, you can let me know your predictions. Um, the form link will be in the description of the show. So with that, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk to yearly reviews, Giants and Phillies. Oh my gosh, what is that smell? Hey, Jewel, what are you cooking? Oh, me? I'm just over here cooking with some Danos. Danos? What is Danos? Well, my friend, you don't know till you Dano. That's literally what I asked, but what is it? What is Danos? Is it like some Kentucky seasoning? Actually, yeah, it is. Um... Weird that you asked that. But Danos, no sugar, low sodium, all natural ingredients, all good stuff inside of this bottle right here. You can never use too much because it's made with real sea salt, fresh ingredients, no crap, no MSG, no glucose, it's gluten free. And let me tell you, I put that Danos on everything. And I did not know until I Danoed. And my life has never been the same. My cooking has not been the same. Nothing has been the same. And that amazing smell you're smelling is just Danos. Wow, dude, what can you put it on? 
like I said, you can put it on anything. Chicken, steak, pork, ribs. You can put it in your soup. You can put it in your clam chowder. You can put it in your chicken noodle soup. You can put it on your tacos. You can put it in your taco meat. You can, you can, Dano, put that stuff on everything. Wow. Dude, where can I get some of this? Here, let me tell you real quick. You can go to theballboyblog.com slash my dash deals page. All right, I'm following, I'm following. And then what? I'm here on the page right now. Click the link that says Danos. Okay, okay. Click the link that says Danos. It took, did it take you to the site? Yeah, yeah, it took me to the site. Oh my goodness. These are great. That's such a beautiful packaging. I'm ordering some right now. Awesome. Well, since you clicked the link, you let them know I sent you. If you don't click the link and you decide to go straight over to danos.com, just put in the code BALLBOY at checkout to let them know I sent you. You can thank me later. And yeah, that's all there is to it. And like I said, you don't know until you Dano. All right, welcome back in. So, had to get some water there. My throat was getting dry partway through those bull predictions. So, yearly review, uh, San Francisco Giants time, what what moves as typical fashion for these, we're going to talk about what moves, what I love, what I didn't love, take away, what's next. So, five bullet points, just a quick, brief recap of what happened with their season. Um, so, we've covered um, Padres, Athletics, Marlins, Yankees, Cardinals, White Sox, Cubs, Twins, Reds. Um, Blue Jays, Indians, and I think we did the Brewers, but I'm not sure. I think I have that out of order here. But regardless, we've done a bunch of teams this week. All the rest of the final, there's three more teams left that are being posted this week. So stay tuned for those. And then all 30 teams have been posted. So you can go back and review each and every team. So what moves did the Giants make in 2020? They traded uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays and acquired left-handed pitcher Anthony Bonda. I mean, it didn't really help the Giants whatsoever. And then they traded catcher Robert Brantley to the Yankees for cash. Um, This move happened after Joey Bart was called up. Excuse me. And the biggest move that happened before the season was that Buster Posey opted out. However, he will be available for 2021. He does plan to play. So what do we love? What do we love about the Giants? I had them projected to go 27 and 33 with a fifth place finish. However, they finished 29 and 31 on the season with a third place finish. And that is right behind the Dodgers and the Padres in this division. Head of the Rockies and why oh, can't I ever remember the fifth team? Um come to me. I, I don't know why I can never remember that fifth team in this division. Um, regardless, um, so I love that. I love that they finished so high in the division. They they weren't an awful team. They were the ninth place team in the NL, and they had the highest non-overall playoff finish. They almost made it in. That was so close in 2020. They would have been another one of those sweetheart stories if they had made it in. They were so close. Um, there was, there was one guy who was a huge impact player. If you don't know, know who he is, Mike Yastrzemski, he was 
my fantasy sweetheart this year. I was in love with him in like a not weird way. Um, he he's just good. Oh, and the Diamondbacks. That's his fifth team. I should know that. I lived in Arizona. Um, Mike Yastrzemski, he is a stud. He hit uh, 278 batting average, 10 home runs, 35 RBIs. He drew 30 walks this season. Uh, he was just the, the difference maker so many times for the Giants, day in, day out. He was the guy that was getting pitched around in that lineup. So, yeah, Yastrzemski has me excited. He's definitely a high target on my fantasy radar this coming season. And then we have Donovan Solano. He hit 326. Uh, Wilmer Flores, he had 12 home runs. Alex Dickerson, 298 batting average with 10 home runs. Um, all those guys were, were pretty good. The The offense looks to be trending up and in the right direction with Longoria. And Evan Longoria and Brendan Crawford also put together very good uh, seasons for the two veterans. Also, their relievers, um, Harlan Garcia, Harlan, uh, Harlan Garcia, and who posted a 0.49 ERA, and Tony Watson posted a 2.50 ERA. Uh, so they've definitely added more pieces to that bullpen, but overall, they they were very solid, um, despite finishing just one game under 500. So what did we not love? What did we not love? Well, we didn't love that Joey Bart came up and he only hit 233, no home runs, seven RBIs, and struck out 41 times and only walked three times. That was a little bit hard to swallow. Um, we loved and didn't love that it was Jeff Samarja's last season as a Giant. Thank goodness. Um, I'm happy for you guys, and I'm not even a big Giants fan myself. I'm from the Bay Area, but I... I'm not a big Giants fan, but I knew that Jeff Samarja coming off the books was the best. Um, Johnny Cueto wasn't excellent as well, was not excellent. He led the team in wins with two, so that wasn't encouraging. Uh, he led the starters with a 5.40 ERA, uh, 56 Ks. Uh, somehow those are all leads. The pitching staff as a whole, we did not love whatsoever. They pitched to a 4.64 ERA with eight and a half strikeouts per nine. So the strikeout numbers weren't bad, but they were giving up almost five runs a game. And that does not get it done. No matter how good the offense is, that just doesn't get it done. That doesn't keep you in those ballgames. Um, outside of just very few players, it overall the pitching was the biggest thing we didn't love. Biggest opportunity that they've already started addressing this offseason um, is to fix that pitching. You know, if you remember the names, Pablo Sandoval, Hunter Pence, both did not perform well during the season with the Giants. Both were cut, and then Pence is ultimately retiring now that, um, you know, his career. Unfortunately, he didn't get to go on a high note, but he, he did end up retiring Pablo Sandoval, hopefully he ends up hanging it up too because I personally think he's a little washed. Glory days of the Panda are over. So what what's next for the Giants or what was the biggest takeaway? Biggest takeaway for me is 
with where this team is going, they are in a position to be a very consistent third-place team in this division ahead of the Diamondbacks and ahead of the Rockies. Um, if they continue to add the right pieces in with, like, Kevin Ga- uh, Guzman uh, within that rotation after Cueto, they continue to add pieces. Buster Posey coming back would gives more time for Joey Bart to develop and learn. Uh, you know, it's... For me, the biggest takeaway was how improved they are. They're moving in the right direction. They're a competitive team against the Dodgers. They're competitive against the Padres. They're going to give these teams a run for their money, and they're going to be in the wild card discussion throughout the season. Uh, so what's what's next? What's next for the uh, Giants in 2021? Well, you, you can kind of tell they're not in a full-on rebuild at the same time, but they're not fully committed to winning. Uh, They're right in between. They're on the precipice of becoming legit contenders. They have a lot of young talent that came came up in 2020 with a lot of reliable vets proving themselves in 2020 as well, reestablishing themselves. They have a large payroll for 2021, but after 22, a lot more of those contracts come off the books, like Johnny Cueto's, Brandon Belt's, you know, they're both those contracts come out 2021 or 2022. Um, so after 2021, both those guys will probably not be on the team, but hopefully, if they're performing well midseason, I can definitely see Johnny Cueto getting moved around depending on where the Giants are at. Um, but they, they will keep building, they need to keep building around Mike Yastrzemski, Alex Dicker, Dickerson, um, Flores, Guzman, Solano. They need to keep their offense and some of these core guys intact if they want to keep competing with the Dodgers and the Padres and in this tough NL West and in the NL in general. They're going to need a lot of help. But they're, they're making the right moves. And they're well on their way. So that was the Giants review. Let's talk a little bit more NL. Give me just three seconds for a water break. I knew you counted. Three seconds. Gotcha. Um, let's see. Um, Phillies. So, as we know, they have a new GM, Dave Dombrowski. Um, man, it's a weird team. They they made a lot of moves during the season. Um, they acquired Brandon Workman from the, from the Red Sox, and they acquired Heath Hembray as well. Um, and they traded... Right-handed pitcher Nick Pavetta and right-handed pitcher Connor Siebold. It was it looked great on paper at the time. Um, neither helped them win down the stretch. Both kind of ended up being busts for the team, um, and kind of makes them wish they had Connor Siebold back, as he's one of my my favorites um, developing pitchers coming into the MLB and will really help the Red Sox rotation. So the Red Sox definitely won this trade. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Workman, I mean, they both pitched to a 6.5-plus ERA when they were with the Phillies. So neither of them helped them. Um, Another trade they made was more bullpen help. They traded with the Yankees and acquired David Hale. They traded Addison Russ. Again, another trade on paper that looked like it was going to boost the pen. Another one that didn't pan out as Hale pitched to a four uh, plus ERA or plus four ERA. 
Then they traded the Phillies traded left-handed pitcher Austin Davis to the Pirates for a player to be named later in cash. Uh, Joel Caesar was sent to the Phillies to complete the trade. So another one that, you know, one of those that didn't really matter. And the Brewers traded right-handed pitcher David Phelps to the Phillies for three players to be named later. Um, so I, I never found the details of this, who was sent to finalize a trade. Maybe it still hasn't been finalized because we're still seeing some of those deals from out the season still being finalized as a player to be named later. Um, and of course, this helps another one that kind of busted for the Phillies. So overall, their moves didn't pan out for them as they wanted to. I had going into the season, I thought the Phillies were going to dominate the NLEs and go 43 and 17. I was that confident in the combo of Didi Gregorius, Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, Gene Segura, Real Muto, Alec Baum, with Austin Nola, Zach Wheeler, and the rotation. I thought this team was going to just dominate. And then they just went 28 and 32, finished in third place in the NL East. Um, so, yeah, it was not to expect as expected. Um, but Didi Gregorius had himself a great season. He's now a free agent. He hit 284 with 40 RBIs and 61 hits, each team leading in that category. Bryce Harper, 13 home runs with a 420 OBP, so Bryce Harper was Bryce Harper. Um, Andrew McCutcheon also showed a nice uh, season as well, very solid, uh, 10 home runs, 55 hits, and a 253 batting average. Gene Segura, JT Romuto, and Alec Baum also each had excellent seasons. Baum was in consideration for the NL Rookie of the Year, and he continuously delivered great results at third base while being able to just beat the shift consistently as well when he was at the plate. So I was really excited from what I saw from this core. Um, as we know, Romuto and Gregorius are free agents, and Gene Segura is a highly a touted or uh, highly wanted trade prospect or trade target, not prospect. He's not a prospect. Um, and top of the rotation, we saw great seasons. I love what we saw from Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Nola put together five wins, 96 strikeouts to give him a 12.1 K per nine, which is ridiculous. Um, and Zach Wheeler was also excellent. He pitched to a 2.92 ERA. He had 53 Ks and 16 walks on the season. Um, so both look to be a very good one-two punch that would have failed, fared well in the playoffs. They were just on the outside looking in. I believe they finished in ninth or 10th in the NL playoff race, so they were right there. But, man, there was a lot to like in the city of brotherly love. So what do we not love about the Phillies in 2020? Well... Obviously, it was, you know, they, they were just on the outside looking in with the playoffs. Uh, the rest of the offense, after the guys I mentioned, Gregorius, Baum, Harper, McCutcheon, Segura, Ramuto, those, that handful of players had a good season. Everyone else, um, they they hit for two, a 257 batting average as a team with 480 strikeouts and only drew 229 walks. That was more than a two-to-one ratio. And that doesn't get it done when you're striking out more. It really lowers on-base percentage as a team. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they were without first baseman Reese Hoskins, who turned in a really good 2019 season. Uh, still recovering from Tommy John surgery. So that was that was tough as well to overcome. Um, the pitching outside of Nola and Wheeler, the team pitched to a 5.14 ERA, so giving up five runs a ball game. Ball game, it does not get it done for your team. Um, but yeah. So, uh, you know, biggest takeaway for me was just how inconsistent the Phillies were on a day-to-day basis. The bullpen was was not good. Uh, the team as a whole was not good in terms of batting average. Um but batting average is kind of a, in my opinion, a broken stat. I, I like OBP better. Um, and, you know, what, what's next? Well, with, with Dave Dombrowski at the helm, we we only can speculate right now. And, um, yeah, we, we only can hope that they are going to be the team that gives JT Romito that six-year, $128 million-plus deal um, for the season. We only can hope. And right now it's looking – it's not looking promising. But, you know, they – Kind of looking into 2020, they're, they're really going to need to replace and raise that team OBP. Uh, as a team, their OBP was very, very league average at 342. And they put together a 781 OPS as a team. Yeah, they, as a team, they were barely playable um, if they were one player considering their OPS. Very, very average at the plate outside of the guys I mentioned. Each had their own strength. They need to build out those strength. They need to bring JT Romuto back. Um, he posted 5.9 R war on the season, which put him at the top of the list for, of catchers in that category. Harper wants Romuto back. However, the thing holding a lot of teams back from assigning Romuto to this huge deal is that he turns 30 going into the season. And catchers at that age, if you're not Yachty or Molina, just start to typically hit a pretty steep decline. Um, you know, a four-year deal is going to be more realistic, about $98 million a year. Um, you know, and the limited defensive versatility, he, he only plays catcher. He doesn't play first base. If he played first base, that six-year deal will look a little bit better because you could eventually move him to first base if the defense goes down behind the plate. Um, but he, he doesn't really give you that option. Plus, the Phillies have a lot of holes to fill. If they spend all the payroll they have just on Real Muto, that, that hurts them in rebuilding that bullpen to be competitive in that way. So they also still need to hire a pitching coach um, help prepare this bullpen. They have great pieces in their rotation. They have good pieces in the, in the bullpen. They just need the right coaching to put it together. And I really think that will help the Phillies going into 2021. So that's a wrap for the yearly reviews today. Oh, hey, it's me. It's Jewel. 
Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for being with me today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being part of the podcast, part of the blog, and I really hope you're enjoying the content. And I want to be able to further interact with you. I want to further get your opinions on the podcast. I want I want your opinion, and so I need it. I crave it. I desire it. I want it. I want it more than a kid who loves cake wants the biggest cake in the world. That's how much I want your input. I want you to come over to theballboyblog.com backslash forums. Go to the forums. Comment posts in any of them. The Ask Me Anything one. The 2021 predictions. Your bold predictions. Or make your own forum. It doesn't matter. I need you to come over there and interact with me. I would love it if you did. And then you can click over to the My Deals page. And then I can save you some money on some great products. And then you can go back to the main page of the blog and you can go through and you can read all 85 pieces I have up on the blog. It might take you a minute, but it'll be well worth it in the end. But hey, even if you don't do that, if you don't come to the forums, if you only enjoy listening to the podcast, that's okay. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I am so grateful. I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful for you being here with me. And I really hope you're enjoying the content. If you would like to be on the show, talk to me on the show. Well, let's figure that out. Send me an email, baseballpod.jb at gmail.com. That's where you can email me. You can go over to the site. You can talk in the chat. That comes directly to me as well. And let's connect. Let's collab. And I would love to do so. So let's talk soon. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks again. Thanks for being in, in with me today. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you.